Arsenal 1, Bournemouth 0. David Lewis's goal, the difference on this week's edition. We'll be looking back at that game. Uh, we'll be looking at the league table and where that leaves Arsenal going into the international break. And we'll be taking some of your questions live. Hello, good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu. Um, it's Monday morning. It's a little bit gloomy. Uh, the weather's not great here in London. Winter is uh, truly starting to settle in. But Arsenal have got another three points on the board, a huge win over Bournemouth in the end. Uh, not the greatest of performances, but we'll come on to that uh, in a moment. But the the point here is that we should be pleased. Arsenal now sit in third place, just a point behind uh, last season's champions, Manchester City. And, uh, you know, that we've not played great, but the signs are positive, you know, in terms of, of the results anyway. And we'll come on to touch on the performances in a minute because I've seen lots of, of exchanges on social media over the last few days between Arsenal fans, you know, some ecstatic at the fact that Arsenal find themselves in the position that they're in, uh, just a point behind City, third, etc. But there are others who are concerned in regards to the performances. And I think that both sides have a point here in this debate. So I'm going to go into the game in a little bit more detail, going to go into my thoughts on individual performances and then my thoughts on that very debate. Um, can Arsenal sustain this position given the way we're performing? So lots and lots to discuss uh, on this edition. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into the game itself. Uh, Arsenal run out 1-0 winners after David Lewis's header um, gave the Gunners the lead in the first half. And it was a great header from David Lewis. He got across his man. Uh, it was Pepe that took the corner. Lewis got in front of his man. And what he does really well is he directs the header in the one place that he should. He puts it across the goalkeeper, which always gives you a chance of scoring. Um, it's not the most powerful of headers. Um and, you know, maybe from a Bournemouth perspective, you'd be a bit disappointed in your goalkeeper. But the way David Lewis gets across the front post and sort of glances, directs the header is fantastic. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I've criticised David Lewis in recent weeks for, you know, sort of giving away goals and, and being a bit of a liability at the back at times. But David Lewis showed yesterday uh, what he can give you in the attacking third. And, and he's a lot better at that than many other central defenders. And David Lewis has that in his locker. Um, he can be effective. I think there was a, a moment uh, the other night in Manchester where David Lewis put two really good crosses in with his left foot. And it just goes to show that the technical ability of David Lewis is there. It's on par uh, with some of the best central defenders in the world. But in terms of his defending, at times that leaves a lot to be desired. But, you know, he deserves credit yesterday. We kept the clean sheet. And David Lewis, of course, scored the winner. If we just have a quick look at some of the statistics, they're up on your screen for those of you watching us on YouTube. 53% uh, possession uh, for the Gunners. Bournemouth with 47. So not a huge difference there. Arsenal with 12 attempts at goal. Bournemouth with 10. Again, not much difference there. Shots on target, two apiece. Arsenal had 14 corners compared to Bournemouth's five. And Arsenal committed 12 fouls compared to Bournemouth six. Um, so those are the statistics. Let's move on to the team now. Let's have a look at some of the individual performances. Uh, so Unai Emery 
opted to go uh, with a lineup of Bernd Leno in goal, uh, back four of Ser Kalasinach, David Lewis, Socrates, and Ch- Chambers. Now, many people wondered whether Holding and Tierney would get a game. Um, having played 90 minutes on Thursday, I think it was always going to be the case that they were going to be left out on, on Sunday. And I think in Unai Emery's defence, you know, we're looking at two players that are going to be very important for us over the course of the season. Two players who have been out for a long time, who have had serious injuries um, and serious injury problems. So I'm not against them being left out. Um, you know, it worked yesterday and, you know, Unai Emery would have weighed that up, uh, the risk against, the, you know, the reward. And I think that Bournemouth at home is the type of game that you should be able to get by in without them. And we did. Um, so, you know, Unai deserves credit for that. It's a, it's a bold decision because I'm sure many Arsenal fans would have picked both of those two uh, in the starting lineup. Hector Bellerin was left out of the squad. Uh, Hector Bellerin looked rusty to me on Thursday and he's going to need time to get back. And of course, he's been out for, for longer than anybody. Um, but, you know, he, he did look noticeably rusty, I'd say, on Thursday night. So I, I'm not against, uh, you know, him being left out from the squad. He needs to manage the recoveries of these players properly. And at times in the past, we haven't done so. And we've seen players, uh, you know, suffer injuries and those injuries uh, last a long, long time. So, uh, you know, I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that. The midfield was Xhaka Genduzi, but there was no place for Torreira. Danny Ceballos came in uh, to play a sort of number 10 role. Uh, Pepe was deployed on the right, Saka on the left and Aubameyang through the middle. Let's quickly run over to some of your comments here. Those of you that are watching live, a big good morning to you all. Hubert says, good morning. Kathy says, good morning. Good morning to you too. Uh, Winston says, good morning. Um, what else have we got here? Big shout out to Claude uh, from AFTV. Hit up his channel uh, on YouTube. It's a brilliant channel. Claude, as always, says it how it is. Uh, brilliant channel. Great opinion. So please check Claude's channel out as well. Um, Kathy says we have so many creative players, but we don't gel together. It feels that way at the moment, Kathy. It feels like we've got uh, a squad full of talented individuals, but we're not quite finding the right balance. But again, we'll come on to the performance side of things in, in just a moment. Claude says he's the most cautious coach I've seen in my time in watching football. Don't disagree with you there, mate. Um, Kathy also says it's boring football, but we need to have a regular team to be exciting again. And James says, as long as we keep winning these games, we're actually in the title race. As silly as it sounds, Liverpool can't lose or they're in big trouble. So James, you think Arsenal are in the title race? Interesting. Interesting. Let me know what you guys think in the comments about that. Um, I'm not so sure uh, we can say that we're in the title race at this point anyway. Um, But going back to the team, let's have a look at some of the individual performances. I thought Callum Chambers was really good again. Showed passion, showed fight and showed that he's improved a a great deal. And I think playing a a lot of regular football last season, albeit in a team that at the end of the day got relegated, I think done Callum Chambers the world of good. Um, I think Socrates and Lewis did okay uh, without being spectacular, uh, but they weren't bad by any means. I thought Kalasinac had moments where he showed what he's all about. And that is bringing the ball forward, like a, almost like a train, you know, just gets his head down. And there were a couple of, moments where Bournemouth were attacking and his sort of physicality and power, I'd say, uh, got him out of situations as he was able to bring the ball out of the defence. Granit Xhaka, the Arsenal captain, a player who's taken a lot of stick uh, from fans of late, I thought had an okay game yesterday. Um, Again, without being spectacular, I thought he did 
pretty well. I thought he did the simple things yesterday. Um, that could be a sign of somebody whose confidence is beat. Um, but, you know, there wasn't many of those suicidal passes. There wasn't uh, any really outrageous uh, attempts from Granite Xhaka to play, you know, any silly balls. I thought he got the ball. He played it simple. He let Sabayos do that sort of thing. And I guess that's what Arsenal fans want to see from Granit Xhaka. Um, is the fact that he's down on confidence having an impact on his game? I think it is. Um, but given the, the you know, the hysteria that surrounded Granit Xhaka and the criticism he's faced, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think if he gets his head down, stays out of the headlines a little bit and concentrates on doing the simple things right, I think a lot of fans will get off his back. So, you know, fingers crossed that is the case. I thought Genduzi was brilliant again. Um, as brilliant as anyone can be in what was overall a pretty dull performance. But I thought Genduzi was pretty good. I'd say he was probably our best player again. Um, energetic, um, always looking to receive the ball, never afraid, never hiding. And I like that about Genduzi. Danny Sabayos, I thought, did an OK job in that number 10 role. I've seen some people saying that, you know, this means we should bin Mesut Ozil off permanently because... Danny Sabayas had an okay game. Well, it, it was exactly that, wasn't it? It was an okay game. Danny Sabayas wasn't brilliant in my view. Nobody was brilliant. So, to, you know, it just feels like some people are using Sabayas' okay performance uh, to poke at Mesa Ozil again. And, you know, lots of people would disagree with me on Ozil and they, they don't want to see him back in the team. But I still think he's an option. I still think he's good enough to be in that 18 and, and very... Little is going to change my mind on that. Uh, Reese Nelson, you know, is another example of a player who's had a few chances, not necessarily taken them, uh, and he's been left out. So Emery's been ruthless in some ways, but, you know, his ruthlessness has not been consistent. And I think that's where some people have a problem. Uh, Nicola Pepe started on the right-hand side, and he was all right. He was okay. Um, again, you know, I know people are expecting a lot more from Nicola Pepe. I'm one of those people. Um, I also accept that, you know, he needs some time to, to settle down. But I thought he was a little bit better yesterday than he had been in previous games. And um, I know that's not saying much because he's been poor largely this season. But, um, you know, I, I thought he did OK, particularly in the first half. I thought it was right to take him off um, because, you know, it it wasn't happening for him. And maybe it's time to give him a little bit of a break uh, for a couple of games and, and see how he approaches games in terms of coming off as a sub because I think it's very different I think you can come on you can give everything in a 20-25 minute period depending on when you're introduced and I think that might do him a little bit of good now I also appreciate that doing that may absolutely batter his confidence and I, I don't want that to be the case of course um, but you know we'll, we'll have to see uh, Bukayo Saka on the left he did okay um, again not fantastic um, but he's young. He's obviously jumped ahead of Reese Nelson in the pecking order. I thought that there was a, a real shout for Martinelli to get a game from the start yesterday. I thought Martinelli, you know, has performed fantastically in every game he's played. So, you know, I've got no problem with that. Um, you know, with him not playing because he played the full 90 minutes on Thursday. But, you know, I, I thought that he's deserved the chance. And he did get a bit of a go and, and credit to Naimaru for bringing him on and giving him a bit of a run out. Thought he injected some pace and some energy into our game when he did come on. So, uh, you know, 
hats off to Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka still learning. Done okay yesterday. Wasn't great though, uh, in my opinion. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang feeding off scraps um, again due to a lack of creativity in this Arsenal side. And again, you know, we can talk about the Ozil thing, which lots of people, you know, have strong views on. But I, I get the feeling that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will be sitting there quietly thinking, I wish Mesut Ozil was in this side. Because I think that he's a player who can really benefit from, from what Ozil has to offer. In terms of the performance overall, you know, we've had lots and lots of uh, debates on Twitter over the last 24 hours. You know, there are those who say, who gives a shit? We won, we're third. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what the performance was like. Stop moaning, stop criticising. But I guess I'm of the viewpoint that it's okay to be pleased with the, with the position that we find ourselves in. But you shouldn't disregard the fact that we've been poor for the most part of this season in terms of our performances. And that tells you that over the course of the, you know, over the course of the season, I should say, you're not going to get away with those performances. And last season, we had many games where we didn't perform and we got points. But come the end of the season, because we weren't in any rhythm, because our performances were so bad, it came back to haunt us and it balanced itself out. And we ended up missing on the to- out on the top four. And my fear is I don't want that to happen again. I think Arsenal have a lot uh, more to offer than what we're currently seeing. Arsenal certainly have the talent there. I think we're Arsenal are fortunate at the moment that Manchester United is so bad. Tottenham find themselves in disarray. Chelsea, you know, they've got a bright future ahead of them, but they're young still. And with young players come inconsistencies. So... Yes, you shouldn't be sitting here going, oh, you know, that was crap yesterday. And you shouldn't be going overboard overboard about it because we did win. But I think that if you've got the best interest of the club at heart, then it's silly to overlook something that is as important as those performances. Because, you know, we weren't convincing yesterday and it only takes one moment from Bournemouth towards the end of the game yesterday. And we're talking about a draw rather than a win because we didn't have enough to put the game to bed. And, you know, yes, you could say it was a professional performance. I don't think it was a professional performance. I think Arsenal were bad and Bournemouth were just as bad as well. And one moment decided the game. Both sides had two attempts on target. Shows you that it was a very poor quality game in which neither side were at the races. So, yeah, you know, it's absolutely right to have those concerns in regards to the performances. It doesn't mean you're being negative. It doesn't mean you're not supporting your team. It's just an acknowledgement of the fact that the way we're playing. And, you know, if we continue to play that way, the position of third is not sustainable. That's that's all people are saying. So I'm not sure why people are, are, are arguing about that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's neither here nor there, really. You know, it is fine to have a slightly different opinion. It's fine to be worried um, about the way we're playing, but also be pleased with the, the three points. I don't get why people don't see that. Um, let's have a quick look at some of your comments again. Um, da, 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 da. James LJP says, here's a little game for you, mate. Go through that starting lineup and slap a price tag on them, what you feel they're worth at the moment. James, I'm going to be doing something like that uh, in the international break, so I'm going to save that. Uh, for now, but we're going to be doing some various bits of content 
uh, around the the team and the playing staff and and it looking at them individually over the international break. I don't want to reveal too much, but um, to keep your eyes peeled for that because we are doing something uh, very similar. Uh, Michael says Sabios was great. He covers a lot of grass. He also says Saka and Martinelli are now ahead of Nelson. Callum Ferguson asks, what do you make of the rumours of Ozil telling the under-23s to pretend he took a session? I've not actually come across that rumour, mate. Um, so I, I can't really comment on it. And uh, You know, it feels like people are just finding any excuse to have a go at Mesut Ozil. And, you know, for me, it's as simple as this. Unai Emery doesn't want him in the side. Don't know why. Not sure why. If it's about work rate, I think that's silly. Um, he's obviously been forced uh, out of the team now and he's going to, you know, be suffering for a while, it looks like. But, you know, if Unai Emery's picking up the results, then, you know, nobody's really going to have that much to say. But when those games do come, when Arsenal struggle to break teams down, then people are going to look at that decision. And rightly so, they're going to point the finger at Unai Emery because ultimately this is his decision. This is his choice. I'm sure if Mesut Ozil's asked to play, he's going to play. So, um, you know, it's a debate that's going to rumble on. There's no question about that. Uh, now the Arsenal says, then performances aren't sustainable. Sooner or later, we will get caught out. Two shots on target in the whole 90 minutes against Bournemouth at home isn't good enough. I agree, mate. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Lots of comments coming through live at the moment. Um, uh, Winston says, that 22-game unbeaten run last season flattered us in many games. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I said that at the time. And I think I got absolutely bad for it. Because when people were getting on the hype train of Unai Emery's Arsenal, I was cautious. I wasn't sure. I wasn't, you know, sure that we were doing things right. I wasn't sure that what we were doing was sustainable. And in the end, it wasn't. You know, Arsenal did fall apart at the end. Arsenal did show weaknesses. So, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because people want to argue, people want to debate, and, and that's fine. But for me, the signs are there. We know exactly what we're getting with this Arsenal team. Not much in the way of improvement. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to struggle through this season. I think it's going to be a season full of ups and downs. Uh, A79 says, what do you think of Emery defending through the second half at home? Had they scored, we would have tried to score and lost. Emery is a coward. Um, I get tightening up in the last 10, 15 minutes, uh, which is what he did when he brought Lucas Torreira on. I get that. And I'm not against that because we used to criticise Arsene Wenger for not doing that. So I'm not against being a little bit pragmatic towards the end of the game. I am against the negative approach in the second half. And I guess the big difference for me between the two halves was Arsenal came out in the first half and Arsenal pressed. Arsenal forced Bournemouth into mistakes at the back. And then that went away in the second half. And I don't know, is that a fitness issue? What is it? I'm not sure. But it feels like Arsenal's performance really, really did drop off. Now, let's have a quick look at the Premier League table while we're here. Um... Here we go. As you know, as we said earlier on, not much to talk about in terms of the game, in terms of action. Um, so we're focusing sort of on the performance, etc. Uh, we've touched on the performances of certain individuals today. But if we look at the league table now, of course, Arsenal, as I've already mentioned, sitting in third place with 15 points, just a point off of Manchester City. We've only lost one game this season. Only Liverpool have lost fewer. So that's a positive. We have been to Liverpool. 
we've been to Old Trafford. We've played Spurs. Leicester City at a point behind us in fourth. Chelsea seem to be getting their, their, their shit together in fifth with 14 points. Crystal Palace, surprisingly, they've been dark horses this season. You know, always tipped to be in a relegation fight, but Roy Hodgson's doing a really steady job there, so he deserves credit for that. But we'll be touching on that in a little bit more detail on our Premier League show, uh, a new show that we do here on the Chronicles of Aguna, where I'll be getting guests from uh, opposition sides and we'll be talking about the Premier League weekends. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That is coming your way tomorrow evening. Uh, so please, please do stay tuned for that. So, you know, the table reads well at the moment. Uh, I don't think anybody can can deny that. I think that Arsenal, you know, are, are again fortunate of the circumstances around them. The performances aren't great. I don't really see that much improvement, which is a concern. But, you know, it is very hard to sit and beat a team with a stick who have just won a game. They've just won a Premier League game, moved into third. So let's be pleased with the result. But let's acknowledge that the performances aren't necessarily where they need to be and that we're going to need to improve in order to sustain that. I don't think anybody denies that. Um, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. If they do, I think you're just trying to defend the manager without really thinking about what it is you're saying. I think there are fans out there that are so eager to see Unai Emery succeed that they won't dare criticise him. And I, I don't think that, you should criticise him this week, but I think that over the course of a season, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have some troubles if we don't fix up. So uh, let's um, go to some of your questions now. We're going to hit up Twitter uh, where some of you have been leaving questions uh, since last, uh, since this morning, I think actually. Um, I'm not sure when I put the tweet out. can't remember if I'm honest. Uh, but here we go. Let's uh, share the screen to those of you who are watching live once again. Um, and a big hello to, of course, those listening back. Here's a question from Akshay. He says, do you think Pepe is underperforming or struggling to adapt? If so, is Unai to blame for that or is the player himself? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think the team is not necessarily providing Pepe with the platform to go on and perform. Um, to the best of his ability, but equally, it's the player's responsibility to to perform well. You know, when he gets the opportunities, he's had plenty of opportunities. I feel like we've seen glimpses of what Nicola Pepe can do, but without the um, the end product most of the time, and that's concerning. And I think that a lot of people always say, you know, when a forward is getting himself into the positions, you're okay and you shouldn't worry because the the goals will come. But with Nicola Pepe, I really see a lack of belief in himself at the moment. And that's a worry for me. Um, I hope that he turns it around. You know, people always talk about the fact that Burkamp and Henri took a while to settle in. And that's a very valid point. And maybe we shouldn't be putting too much pressure on the lad. But maybe it's Unai Emery's place now to take him out of the firing line, at least temporarily, uh, so that he can uh, come out of the spotlight and just, you know, get on with things and uh, get go about his work quietly without the, the media spotlight and the hype that is surrounding him at the moment. Uh, in terms of more questions, let's have a look at some more. Uh, Adiosan says, hello, guys, what positions do we need to strengthen in January or summer transfer window? Why can't we press or control position possession for long during Premier League games? Cheers. I think you're absolutely right. It is a concern that we can't keep that press going for 
it, it doesn't even have to be 90 minutes, but for the majority of games, you know, when you play such high intensity football, you're going to have break periods, you're going to drop off at certain times. But the fact it's only a half at the moment and, and not even a full half is worrying. Um, in terms of positions we need to strengthen, I still think our defence uh, leaves a lot to be desired. I still think we need another competent midfield player. Um, so, you know, th there's always positions you can improve in this team. I think defence and midfield are the areas for me. I think we've got two very good strikers in Aubameyang Lacazette. The hope is that Pepe will come good. I think Saka looks like a great prospect, as does Martinelli. So I'm not too fussed about the forward areas at the moment. Uh, Melvin says, is it a realistic argument that winning games by one goal should not be a problem, as we did that in the Graham era? Harry, you might know my answer. I think it's okay to win games by one goal. I don't think there's a problem with that. Um, if you're doing that consistently. The problem is that the Graham sides were set up well and well organised. And so if they did go a goal up, goal up, you had faith in them to be able to hold that lead. And so it was down to being clinical in front of goal, but also being watertight defensively. And the problem that Arsenal fans have here is not that they don't want to win games by one goal. It's that they don't trust this team to keep clean sheets. So that's that's the issue here. For me, if you've got a solid defence and you can trust in them that nine times out of ten you're going to hold on to the one goal lead, then I'm fine with that. A win is a win, right? Three points is three points. But there is a fear that this Arsenal side are not capable of keeping clean sheets. And that's where people's concern comes from. So I, I understand that concern. And I, I think that, you know, it shouldn't be a problem when you're winning, but it will be a problem when you're not. And, you know, taking that approach with a team that are not necessarily competent defensively it, it is risky, in my opinion. And it's Unai Emery, uh, you know, shooting himself in the foot. Uh, Raul FC says, do you think a fully fit, match-ready, sharp squad will have Emery? Well, will have Emery have us playing well? If not, then when do you think the performances will catch up to us? As I think results will eventually match our performances and we haven't performed well once this season. I said it earlier on in the show. I think that Arsenal had... I think Arsenal last season got a lot of results that their performances didn't necessarily warrant. And over the course of the season, that caught up with us. And that's why we missed out on the top four. So, you know, Unai Emery in a few weeks' time will have a pretty much fully fit squad. So the excuses run out for me. And if Arsenal's performances don't improve, then it's hard to see how we'll sustain that. So, you know, you've got a right to criticise him at that point, in my opinion. Uh, Halls of Marble says, is it ungrateful to feel bad at the performance despite being third in the league? No, it's not ungrateful. Um, I think it's okay to question the performance. Like I've already said, I think it's fine to be pleased with the win, but also want more performance-wise. And I think that that's a fully reasonable stance to take. So when people say, oh, you know, you can't be slagging the performance off when we won, I think that's nonsense. You can criticise a performance whilst being pleased with the result. It is possible to feel those two things at the same time. Uh, now the Arsenal, he asked earlier on, thoughts on Pepe? Did you see improvement yesterday with an assist? Uh, and should he have won a pen? I thought, uh, like I said, I thought there was a slight improvement. 
not great, but there was a slight improvement. Should he have won a pen? I'm not 100% sure about that. I know Arsenal fans were up in arms about that. I think if you watch it again, I think the ball does come off the defender's leg before Pepe goes down. And so I think, you know, I'm not too fussed about that decision. I don't think it was necessarily a blatant penalty like some people will have you uh, believe. Uh, Brett Stevenson says, do you think Emery's job is safe even if we finish in the top four? Bearing in mind we've struggled to beat teams like Villa and Bournemouth. I think for the time being, I think Emery's job is safe. I think he's going to get this season uh, without any sort of questions being asked by the board. But if Emery does get us in the top four, you know, some people would say it's harsh if he wasn't allowed to carry on the job that he started. I think if he does get us in the top four, he's done what he was brought into the club to do. And for that, he deserves immense credit. But if performances don't improve, then I would question at the end of the season, if we have made the top four, right, is Emery now the man to take us to that next level? And in my opinion, based on what he's shown, I don't think he is. But again, you know, we've got to see how the season goes before we make that call 100%. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll hold fire on that judgment uh, for the time being. Uh, again, big hello to everybody watching us live. Uh, apologies that the title change hasn't filtered through on the live stream. So for some reason, it still says Arsenal 4, Standard Liège nil. I'm going to edit that uh, once we rec- uh, finish uh, this live broadcast. Can't change it once we've started, unfortunately, which is a little bit annoying. Um, big hello to Gosmaz in Cyprus. He says, we've had only one bad result all season, the Watford game. The performances may have not been great, but you can only go, go by the results. Again, I'll reiterate the point. I think the performances over the course of the season will catch up with you. So in the short term, I think you're right. Um, But yeah, I think over the course of the season, it does catch up. Uh, Nick brings up the title issue. Is the title of this video wrong or something? Why are you still talking about Standard Liège? It is, mate. Um, I've edited the title, but it's not filtered through to the various platforms. So apologies about that. Again, that will be edited as soon as I finish uh, this live broadcast and it will correct itself. Uh, So thank you for your patience on that. Um, just one final point, actually, that I wanted to make. And um, we always talk about Arsenal's defence and we always talk about the fact that we make it easy for teams, that we give them um, lots of space in the attacking areas and we don't defend effectively. Now, I watched um, Inter versus Juventus last night. As many of you know, I'm a huge Serie A enthusiast. I do a lot of work covering Serie A. Um, we'll be back tomorrow night with a Simply Serie A podcast where we'll be looking back at that huge derby d'Italia between Inter and Juve. Um, and there was something I picked up on when watching Juve defend that is a point that I've been trying to get across in regards to Arsenal for a long, long time. So I wanted to just highlight that. And there were a few occasions yesterday uh, where Inter were breaking on Juventus. It was at the end of the first half, I think, uh, where I really, really noticed it. And Inter won the ball back. I think it was Lukaku who won the ball. And he broke forward. um, And and Inter all of a sudden had a three versus four. Now, when we talk about Arsenal's defence, and I'm going to use these diagrams here so you can see me now sort of moving the players. And and if I just move these guys out of the way, just so we can focus on the defence for a minute. Um, Inter broke on Juve. And... If this was Arsenal, you know, the first thing would be often when caught on the break, you'd see Chambers up there, you'd see Kalasinac up there, and Socrates and Lewis would be forced to split like this. 
to try and cover the entire width of the pitch. And for me, that's a real problem. It's a real, real problem. It happens often and often there are too many spaces in between the lines and the gunners, uh, you know, find themselves on the ropes and in real serious trouble. But what Juventus did was really, really interesting. And this is not a, necessarily a Maurizio Sarri thing. It's more of a, uh, a an Allegri thing from the past, I think, that's been embedded. But Juve are no doubt one of the most effective sides defensively in Europe. So I think it's good to look at them as an example. But what you saw whenever Inter broke was this. There's an, an immediate concern with protecting the middle of the goal, the middle of the penalty area. Defend the width of your penalty area. That's what Juventus do. It's a priority. And you would see, you know, Inter breaking forward with players making runs down these, these channels here on the left and on the right. But Juve's priority was to protect the width of that penalty area. And I think that that is the right way to defend. And I think that's something that Arsenal should be looking to take on board. You protect the width of your box. Nobody's going to score from out here or out there. It would have to be something special. So protecting the width of your box is so, so important when defending. And you immediately saw when Inter got the ball, this Juventus back four literally close into this really tight unit. And it was really, really effective. And another team who do that time and time again is Atletico Madrid, another side who are very, very good defensively. It's really, really important to defend the width of your penalty area. And that gives you the best chance of defending successfully. And that was just something that I picked up on watching Juventus in, in a lot of detail last night. Um, and as I've said, often with Arsenal, the case is one's up here, one's up there. And these two are forced to do that. They're forced to spread apart to cover those channels. And that leaves us, you know, open, uh, open to being exposed. And I just think that it's something that Arsenal should be looking at. It, you know, you should look at examples of teams who are defensively uh, very sound, very solid Inter, you know, gave Juve a game, but Juve are certainly very defensively sound. And Juve, who, you know, weren't exactly at their brilliant best yesterday, ran out 2-1 winners. So, they kept it tight. They defended very well and they had the firepower at the other end of the pitch to do the business and win the game. And Arsenal have that firepower, but they don't necessarily have that defensive unit. And, you know, you can look at some of those Juve players and, you know, yes, they're, they're good individuals, but it's about how they defend as a unit. And I just want to see Arsenal show a bit more unity in the defence. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's been a real problem for us in recent years. It's about shape. It's about that transition. It's about getting into the emergency position, if you like, as soon as possible. And Juve really, really do that. They cover the width of their penalty area. That is their priority. They're going to defend their box with their lives. Uh, and more often than not, that that works. So uh, brilliant stuff. We've come to the end of today's live broadcast. I'm just going to touch on one last question because I know Nick joined us a little bit late. He says, what do you think Chambers' best position is, Harry? He's playing really well at right back and was player of the season at DM for Fulham, maybe we should give him up playing at centre-back. I think with Callum Chambers and a, a gentleman that was sitting in front of me um, yesterday, Lee, was saying he's really improved and I agree with that. But I think the issue with Chambers is he's not necessarily a world-beater in any position, but he's decent in playing a few positions. So I think we need to forget about Callum Chambers being a, an Arsenal centre-half for the next 10 years or whatever and look at what Callum Chambers has to offer 
in the sense that of being a utility man. I think he's a fantastic utility man. And that for me right now is, is where Callum Chambers is best uh, best used. Use him at right back, use him at centre back if needed, maybe in the cup games in the Europa League. And, you know, if we need to use him in defensive midfield, that's an option too. So I like the fact that he's been used as a, a utility man because I think right now that's probably where he can best serve us. Uh, so, yeah. Hope that answers your question. Uh, a big thank you to every single one of you who's tuned in, whether you've watched us live, uh, whether you're listening to us on the podcast format. Again, apologies that the video that's going out live has the wrong title to it. We'll get that changed um, straight away. So uh, we'll be back very, very soon with some more Arsenal-related content. Like I said, Premier League show uh, coming your way, hopefully tomorrow. Simply Serious coming your way tomorrow too. Um, it's a very, very busy week for me this week. Um, but we'll be hoping to bring you more and more Arsenal content as we go along. And uh, leading into that international break, we'll be touching on some various other aspects that we may not have necessarily had time to go into in recent weeks. Uh, so until then, guys, take care. And uh, we'll be back very, very soon. Cheers.